Okay, so uh, back at it. We are back at it. Finally, at long last, I am Carson Cunningham. This is the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Colby Powell. Colby, we got football tomorrow, man. Fired up. Carson, Carson, we had football last night. We have, if you want to go watch some high school football, we've got that tonight. We've got football tomorrow. We've got football Sunday. We've got football Monday. It's, it's back, Carson. It's here. I can't wait. I mean, I, I'm so fired up. It feels like we haven't had college football season for, for like three years just because of the pandemic. No, nobody was going to games. I didn't go to any games. So this is about the most I've been looking forward to a college football season in a long time. We also have realignment news to get into. We're going to preview OSU versus Missouri State. I know you guys have been waiting. Sorry for no podcast earlier in the week. I had a big scheduling conflict where I couldn't get one done early in the week. I apologize for that. But we're going to keep it rolling. We're going to keep it cranking. And uh, But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. And the season's here. you got to stop by Chris's on Saturday before the big game. It's a night game, so you have plenty of time to tailgate in Stillwater. When you want to you want to hydrate while you while you tailgate. So grab your water, walk over to Chris's, scope out the scope out all the new merchandise. And uh, we appreciate them sponsoring the podcast. It's gonna be a great season. Uh, having them alongside us for for football once again. So we're we're fired up for Chris's. Uh, Colby, we did have football last night. I did enjoy the the Boise State game. Boise State looked like they were gonna run UCF out of the building. That's gonna I still think that's gonna be a tough game for OSU. But Colby, I, I kept hearing all offseason, oh my gosh, Tulsa, that's going to be an interesting game. Tulsa played them so close last year. And look, and th- this is more of just my overview of Tulsa in general. It just, it just, it seems people in the state, mainly media in the state, just gives them way more shine or credit or importance than they really, they're, they're, they've done amazing for what they are. They're the smallest FBS school in the country. Their enrollment's less than some of the high schools in Tulsa. So the fact they've been able to be as competitive as they are, make the AAC title game last year was impressive. They've been an impressive football program for a long time. But there's levels to this game. And I, I, I'm, I'm curious if I'm going to keep hearing this next week that, that Tulsa's going to give OSU a game because they lost at home to UC Davis, an FCS school, their first FCS loss in 35 years. Carson, it was brutal. I didn't watch the Tulsa UC Davis game. I was home last night. I kind of saw it scrolling across the bottom line. I didn't go find it. I had the Ohio State game on, watching a little bit of the Tennessee game for fantasy football reasons. The way that we choose our draft order is unique, and it's based on the first weekend of college football. So I was flipping back and forth some, and then I see that Tulsa lost to UC Davis. I'm like, come on, Tulsa, all offseason. We've had to hear about how this defense is going to be really good despite losing Zayvon Collins. They've really got it moving in the right direction. And I'm sorry, but that's just an inexcusable loss last night. And I I don't know. It just makes everything we've heard all offseason kind of feel like a joke. Uh, It makes the idea that they could challenge Oklahoma State in any way next week feel like a joke. Yes, that game was close last year. That was very fluky with Sanders going down and not knowing who's going to come in and throw the ball, the offensive line having problems. It's, it was very fluky. And I mean, look, Oklahoma state's going to go out and beat Tulsa by 30 next week. And I don't think we have any reason to think otherwise. Yeah. I mean, and it, it, it's worth noting that Tulsa got in a huge brawl in their bowl game last year. So they had, they had a lot of players suspended for the season opener. I, I understand those things, but no Zayvon Collins who, who literally like won them football games playing linebacker, like would would score touchdowns at, at middle linebacker. That's how great that guy was. I thought he deserved more Heisman votes than he got, but the idea that you know, it, it, it really, this all started for me back in, <clears throat> excuse me, in 2010 Colby, when there was a TV guy in Tulsa, no longer works in the market or in the state rather. And he predicted on the air that Tulsa was going to beat Oklahoma state in Stillwater in 2010 scored halftime was 42 to seven. Like you can't, you can't, I know you cover Tulsa, but you gotta, you gotta live in a reality. And that's just, and look, I, I love the fact OSU plays Tulsa. I think it's a great non-conference game. It's, it's an easy trip when it's in Tulsa, they should play them every year. I, I, I have nothing against Tulsa. I just, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about how they're on OSU's level because they're, they're frankly not. 
Yeah, I agree. And, you know, you have people like that in every market who cover the team and want to pick the big upset. I'm sure, I mean, we have that a lot with Bedlam where we get people picking the big upset and then the score ends up being 28 to 7 at halftime, stuff like that. But it, it really is, you know, Tulsa's fine. Tulsa's a, a decent American athletic program conference or an, an athletic conference program. They're fine. But they're not on the level of Oklahoma State. They're not on the level of Oklahoma, obviously. They're just... You know, they're the third best program in the state of Oklahoma, but the gap between two and three is pretty monstrous. And that's okay. Tulsa doesn't need to beat Oklahoma State to be relevant in their conference or to have a good program, but they do need to beat UC Davis to do those things. You can't lose games like that. So it was disappointing. And it's, I mean, look, was I going to pick Tulsa to win next week? No. But if they would have beaten UC Davis last night, I don't know, 42 to 10, would I at least look at that game next week and say, Tulsa could provide a test. This could be a good test. But now I don't even feel like that's the case. I feel like it's just going to be a, a drubbing for 60 minutes. Yeah, I'm with you. And again, I, I have nothing against Tulsa. They're a quality football program. They've done amazingly well for what they are. But again, just I just some of the some of the media get carried away about them. Anyway, I don't I don't mean to rail on Tulsa too much, but let's let's get to some conference realignment here, Colby. The Big 12 and Bob Bowlesby, Bob Bowlesby has finally gotten off his recliner and, and awoken from his nap uh, and is being proactive. He's there's reports he's already visited the campus of Houston and the latest word is via the Athletic and other national media outlets that they're looking at UCF, BYU, Cincinnati and wait, who who did I just Houston. forget? Houston. Yes, Houston, I just mentioned. So the, those are the four schools, Colby, and those are four that I've always kind of circled as, as great candidates. What was your reaction to the, the news that the Big 12 is already, and it appears quickly, looking at expansion? Uh, yeah, I mean, my reaction, number one, was Memphis was the notable exception. We kind of talked about which school of the, the ones that are left out right now will be left out whenever the Big 12 expands, and it looks like that might be Memphis. But I think those four schools are a good place to start. And basically, at this point, it seems like what the Big 12 is going to try to do is, A, either force OU and Texas to be here for four more years or pay their full buyout, which I like that. That's good for the conference to either keep them here for another half decade or force them to pay you all the money. Those are both good things. Um, and expanding kind of stabilizes your conference a little bit in the meantime. I mean, that conference is still, um, in my eyes, we'll see if some of those other schools can start recruiting better, but I think it would still be fifth. Now, I still think there's a big gap between three and four uh, from the top three to the Pac-12, and then the gap from the Pac-12 to the Big 12 would be pretty small once OU and Texas are gone. Um, with OU and Texas, the Big 12 obviously is better than the Pac-12, but once those two schools are gone, those remaining 12, I think would be probably just slightly behind the Pac-12 because you still got USC and Oregon can do some things in recruiting and have a good season uh, every few years and pop up in the playoff. But I think that would be a viable conference that could keep you on your feet long-term. You remember when all this started, Carson? I didn't like the idea of the Big 12 expanding. I'm ready for Oklahoma State to go elsewhere and the Big 12 to just finally die. That doesn't seem like an option right now. As a matter of fact, we've been told that that's not an option right now. So when you don't have your first choice, sometimes you have to go on down the list. And this might not have been plan A, but it's better than plan nothing. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly coming around to the idea, too, and I, I'm willing to admit that, you know, I, I was staunchly against the Big 12 sticking together. I thought it was a terrible idea, but I am coming around with, with these four schools. You can make a case, and I, I'm with you. I do think the Pac-12 at the top, the very top, the top three, would be better than the Big 12. I don't think there's any question about that, but I think there's a serious case to be made that this conference, if they do add those four, is a better football conference than the Pac-12. And that, that can be debated, that can be discussed for, for years to come. But what, I, what I've kind of come around to even more so, Colby, is this keeps you as a power five. Like, and, and, and look, are you going to be viewed as fifth amongst playoff committees? Probably. That's fine. But you still, you're still involved. You're still a part. You're still in the game. And you, had the, you had the ACC commissioner saying they want the Big 12 to survive. I think this keeps you in the game and it keeps Oklahoma state. You know, if they win the league, they'll, they'll be in the discussion. Now, if it's still four teams, they probably won't get in over a, another, a second sec team or even a second big 10 team. I think they'd have an argument against any PAC 12 team with what we've seen them do over the last few years, going winless in bowl games in, in certain years. But that's where I come around to it. Colby, like who cares if you're, if you're viewed as the fifth, you're still the fifth, you're still a power five. And I think that's a great thing for Oklahoma state. 
Yeah, and I'll say this. If if when OU and Texas are gone, those 12 are still together, including the four we talked about, BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston, uh, assuming those 12 stick together and are a Power 5 conference, one thing that is intriguing to me is Oklahoma State kind of becoming the big dog, the, the bigger fish in the smaller pond. Um, Oklahoma State for a long time has been a smaller fish in a bigger pond. It would be kind of interesting to see how that would play out. I mean, if Oklahoma State wins that conference, I don't know, two out of five or three out of five years, I mean, you're right there with probably TCU, Iowa State, Baylor has some good years. I'm sure BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston would have some competitive years in the conference as well. But I think you could make a pretty strong argument that over the long term, if those 12 teams were to play in a conference for a decade, I think you can make a pretty strong argument that Oklahoma State could win for maybe five of those conference titles. Because uh, Oklahoma State's dominated this conference aside from OU. And once they're gone, OSU will kind of be the hunted in the Big 12, it seems like. It sure seems that way. And I, I'm curious to see how a school like Cincinnati would do. You know, right now they're ranked in the top 10. They're going to, you know, some of the, the major bowl games. But but so was TCU before they joined the league. You know, so, so was West Virginia before they joined the league. So while I do think Cincinnati probably has be- better national – standing as it stands right now i think that could seriously change if they enter the big 12 waters like we saw with, with tcu and west virginia so that, that remains to be seen but I, I do think this makes them more viable and Colby, i've been here on the radio today I, maybe i should just stop listening to sports radio it just it triggers me i guess sometimes <laughs> things i disagree with but i heard on the radio today that oh well th- this stabilizes the big 12 to where you know they're going to want to move on down the road and get this new commerce together and they'll, they'll They'll work on a buyout with OU in Texas. Uh, 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 uh. They're going to keep collecting that thirty-eight million until those TV deals up. They can, they can add these teams now, and wait it out. They could add them now and and still keep OU in Texas in the fold because they signed a grant of rights. So, for people who think this is going to just give OU in Texas a a trap door out of the Big Twelve, I think they're sadly mistaken. The Big Twelve owes OU in Texas nothing not one single thing there should be no negotiations for any type of settlement with the buyout the contract is what the contract is if you want out of it this is the number this is what was agreed upon you signed on the dotted line this is the number you either pay it or you stick around until 2025 uh and again that's i believe before the 2025 football season because i think it's like june 30th 2025 that that expires so it'd be between the the 24 25 school year and the 25 26 school year because it's not just football i know that's what we focus on is football uh but it's not just football that is all the other sports as well and i believe it would, would expire in that summer so as far as i'm concerned there is no negotiation there is no let's meet in the middle and find something that works for both sides you sign the contract you want to leave that's fine but you can either stick around until the contract is up or you can pay the full buyout and i don't see any reason the big 12 uh would approach it any differently totally agree would you add houston or would you add boise state that's that's the question i had you know i'm i like houston i think it doesn't hurt adding them as much near this time around because texas is out of the league you know i think that was the big blocking uh, point for them was there's already enough texas schools but now that you lose the longhorns i understand that i kind of would prefer boise just because they're more of a, a tv brand you know they were on national tv last night people recognize the smurf turf they know boise state is a brand and it kind of pairs them along with BYU to where BYU is not out on a big island, kind of like West Virginia is currently. How do you view those two? I would probably lean Houston, but I, I wouldn't – I'm not married to Houston. Does that make sense? I, I think that that's probably the better play. You're in Texas. You're in the Houston market. Um, you know, that's kind of geographically it makes a ton of sense. I, I know that that does leave BYU kind of out on an island by themselves, but Idaho's even further up in the Northwest. So then you're, you're making more trips that way. I, don't, I think I would lean Houston um, for the, the, the Houston market, staying in Texas, making sense geographically. I think that they'd be uh, more competitive in more sports. I, I would probably lean Houston, but I don't hate the idea of Boise, but yeah, I'd probably lean Houston. Yep, I'm with you. And one last thing before we move on, Colby. I, while I do like this move, I do think it's proactive. I think it stabilizes the conference. I would still not, I would still not shut the door on the Pac-12. And here's why. I keep mentioning their, their TV contract will come up right around when uh, the Big 12s does with OU in Texas. George Kliakoff, the, the Pac-12 commissioner, it's no secret that he wants to expand. 
He, he, know, he knows what you and I have been talking about for so long, Colby, that the Pac-12 cannot just sit on their hands and go, we're good, we got our 12 teams. And while the schools right now in the Pac-12 are being uppity and snobby, and as you knew, they're going to be just so snobby to any schools from the, the, the central time zone that, that aren't Ivy League caliber, I think the commissioner eventually will convince them that this is what they have to do for TV. And, and if Fox tells them to do that, which I think they will, I do think there's a chance they could merge with the Pac-12 or OSU and, you know, some of the more viable teams they would want for the conference could, could still bounce. I, I really do believe that. What do you think? Uh, I mean, yeah, if the option's there, I, I think that that's probably still a better option. I wonder if the Big 12, I mean, I don't know exactly what the Pac-12 thought was going to happen when they decided not to expand. I mean, the Big 12 was going to have to do something, but do you really think the Big 12 adding BYU, UCF, since he in Houston, you think that would be enough to make the Pac-12 say, okay, we need to go ahead and just kill this conference because we don't want another one out here competing with us. Let's just, let's just go ahead and kill them. Let's just go ahead and take about four of theirs and kill them and, and figure out what's happening next. I don't know what the reaction of the Pac-12 is going to be, but I still, I mean, we've talked all along. I mean, we both think the Big 12 needs, or not the Big 12, the Pac-12 needs to expand at some point because uh, I mean, yes, they've, they've got USC, they've got UCLA, Oregon, Cal, Stanford. They've, they've got some schools, but they're getting lapped by especially the SEC and the Big Ten, and even to an extent, the ACC. Those conferences are much more stable and formidable, especially in football, than the Pac-12 is. So, yeah, at some point, I think they're going to have to expand, but I still think that that's down the road. I don't, for whatever reason, they just don't seem like they're ready to pull the trigger yet. So I still think that that's a few years down the road. Yeah, you might be right. I just think money will change everything. I'm going to wait yeah. and see what the TV contract will look like potentially with the Big 12. But if the Pac-12 puts something together, kind of like the SEC did for OU in Texas, I think OSU's got to go, and I think they should. So that's that's way down the road. I'm just glad that the Big 12 is finally, you know, Bowlesby's off his recliner and, and awoken from his nap. I'm, I'm happy about that. Uh, let's move on to the season opener, Colby. Missouri State coming to Stillwater. Brandon Whedon is going to be calling the game on ESPN+. Plus. I had a chance to interview him last night. You can watch the interview on our pregame show at 10 a.m. on Saturday. It's on ABC. We lead right into OU Tulane kickoff, but we're going to be talking plenty about Oklahoma State and Spencer Sanders and just kind of the outlook for the Cowboys as well. So check that out. If you don't want to watch college game day, you want to watch local content, that's the place to be, 10 a.m. on Saturday. Uh, shameless plug. I'm a company man. But uh, Brandon was was great, Colby, and, and he talked a lot about Sanders and just how he, he tries to make the big play. But I thought the most interesting thing he said was you know, he went to practice and he said this is the best defense Mike Gundy's had. And he played, on, he played alongside a really good one in 2011. We know the 2013 defense was legit. But I think he's right, Colby, with the depth they have on defense, just top to bottom, I mean, this, this really has a chance to be Mike's best defense. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that uh, last year we kind of saw some progression in that direction, and that's evidenced by the fact that Rodarius Williams made the roster in New York. Amen Ogbong-Bamiga made the roster in L.A. with the Chargers. I mean, those guys could really play, uh, and you lose two of those guys, and we're still thinking that after losing two guys who've now made NFL rosters uh, as rookies in rookie camp, we're still thinking Oklahoma State could have a better defense this year, and I don't think that's crazy. The D-line is going to be really good. It's going to make it difficult for opposing opposing offenses to run the ball, uh, for quarterbacks to get comfortable. I really think that this could be a defense that forces more turnovers because of what I think they'll be able to do in the front seven. Um, I think that this could be a high, a high turnover defense, kind of like what we saw in 2011. But I think that this defense could be even better at also limiting yardage between the 20s and getting teams off the field, three and out, stuff like that. So I think this could be a top 15 defense in the country if guys stay healthy throughout the season. Uh, and I can't wait to watch it. And, yeah, I think it's interesting that Whedon said that because, I don't know, I just you think about a, a quarterback looking at the offensive side of the ball, and he's looking at the other side and saying, no, no, no. These 11 guys on this other side, they're going to make life really easy for everybody else. And I, I kind of like the thought of that. Yeah, and I, I think their potential really depends on the offense. I mean, just think back to last year, Colby, how many bad positions the OSU defense was put in that they got out of and, and maintained leads and, and won games. Frankly, they had no business winning. I think back to the Kansas State game. <laughs> they did nothing. They scored 20 points and won the game. I mean, so if the offense just gets some sort of semblance of – of cohesiveness and, and looks like the OSU offense we, we've come to know, then I think their defense is even a better spot. Um, I didn't bring this up to you before we started recording, but 
Speaking of sports talk radio, Colby, there's a lot of chatter out there about Spencer Sanders' status for this game. There's a lot of smoke out there, and I've I've heard it myself from people that I've talked to that perhaps he may not play on Saturday due to COVID restrictions. Uh, we nothing has come out from Stillwater yet officially. It's all speculation at this point, but uh, there's there's a lot of speculation out there that he won't play. And man, Colby, Colby if that happens, like. Can Spencer Sanders get a break? I mean, my goodness, this guy just gets injured in the first game last year. We know all the injury history besides that as well. That would be just, look, it's Missouri State. They're going to win the game. But, man, you, you want to see Sanders get out there and have a great day and, and get on the same page with some of these young playmakers. Yeah, that would be highly, highly disappointing. We'll see if that's actually how it plays out. I I think that he'll play, uh, but we'll see. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't have any kind of inside information or anything like that, but I think he'll be out there. But if he's not, it would be highly, highly disappointing. It's, uh, you know, he just needs reps. He just needs good reps, easy throws to, to get more time in Casey Dunn's offense, uh, more film for Tim Rattay to coach him up on. He needs all that stuff. Uh, and it's like you said, can the guy catch a break? He, he hasn't exactly had everything go smoothly since he's taken over as the quarterback. couple different offensive coordinators, couple different quarterback coaches, um, injuries along the way. It just – things haven't gone smoothly, and it would be nice for things to just kind of go according to plan once for Spencer. Yeah, because they have not. And I don't, I don't know, you know, if he's vaccinated. We don't know any information in terms of that type of stuff. But, man, that would be – not crushing, just really disappointing, kind of a letdown for, for week one. But um, I did want to go over with you, Colby, some kind of some topics for the season. I wanted to get your – and you came up with some as well. We'll go through yours too. But who's your – who's kind of a breakout player on offense? We've talked a lot about some of the young players coming through the ranks, and they have a lot of potential. But who have you kind of circled, other than maybe the obvious, like a Brennan Presley, that you're looking at an offense that, that may stand out this season? Yeah, I was going to say, you've got the Brennan Presley and Tay Martin, which those are kind of the obvious ones that you look at. But what about, uh, and I mean, even Blaine Green, I think, is listed as, as the first guy on the depth chart. What about Jaden Bray from Norman? I think Jaden Bray could come in and have a really good impact for Oklahoma State. It's it's not going to be, I mean, he's not going to lead the team in receiving, nothing crazy like that. Let's not get carried away. But when other guys need spelled, need to get some fresh legs out there, stuff like that, I think Jaden Bray could be kind of a breakthrough player. So that's a guy that I would keep my eye on this year. He's gotten a lot of buzz. You talk to anyone that's been at practices, and that's a guy that is one of the first names that comes out of their mouth. And clearly he has just had a – you know, because he, he he came in just – this is he didn't have spring ball. I mean, he, he played his senior season at Norman, and he's clearly turned heads very quickly. So I think that's a great call. And I, he might score a touchdown on Saturday. I, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, obviously, Blaine Green's got a lot of hype at receiver. I'm going to go a little more off the board than that because I think a lot of people know he's starting on the depth chart and all those things and certainly highly touted along with his brother Bryson. But I'm going to go a little off the board here at wide receiver. guy by the name of John Paul Richardson. He's a freshman from Missouri City, Texas. Kind of the, the, the prototypical white slot receiver. I hate to typecast him, but that's kind of what he is. I've heard he's made a lot of plays in practice. I think you know, we're kind of looking at Braden Johnson in the slot, but I think a guy that could surprise some people this year is John Paul Richardson. It's, it, it appears to me like another, another one of those dudes, Casey Dunn recruits, that's, you know, a, a three-star prospect, doesn't just wow you on signing day, but is already going to get on the field as a true freshman and make a lot of plays. Yeah, and it's one of those things where if they can find opportunity for him, because that's what it comes down to is opportunity. All these guys are talented, but some guys will get the opportunity, some won't. And for a guy like John Paul Richardson, he will have to absolutely maximize every opportunity to continue getting more opportunities. Uh, that's how it works. Whenever you're down the depth chart, you get one ball thrown your way, you better make as big a play as you can so that you get another one coming your way. So uh, I kind of like that, but I do think that Oklahoma State will have a pretty deep receiving core this year. I think it'll be much less um, centered around one or two guys. I do think Tay Martin and Brandon Presley will be the leaders of that group, but I do think that we'll see a lot of guys uh, below them, whether it be the Green Twins, uh, Rashad Owens, Jaden Bray, Langston Anderson, uh, John Paul Richardson, all those guys. Uh, I think somebody could break out of that group to kind of be the next receiver for Oklahoma State behind the obvious guys in Presley and Martin. Yeah, we're going to need our program and our, our rosters on uh, on Saturday because we're going to have to learn all these new numbers that are out there. Yeah. There's be a ton of new yeah. numbers. Um, how about defense, Colby? Who you got? Breakout uh, player. Defense, breakout player. I mean, I think it's got to be somebody – 
uh, on the defensive line. And here's what I want to know. What are we categorizing as a breakout player on defense? Because a lot of these guys were so good a year ago. So what, what qualifies? Yeah, I mean, it can be someone going to an all first, all Big 12 first team type season that we that we already know. Uh, it, we already know the name. It doesn't have to be somebody we haven't heard of before. Maybe someone that we have heard and has made plays before, but really kind of makes a jump like Colby Harvell Peel did two years ago to a, a first team all Big 12 caliber player. Okay, I think that the potential for that guy on Oklahoma State's defense is Tyler Lacey. Tyler Lacey is so, so gifted. He's been really good in his time in Stillwater, but he hasn't been, you know, knock your socks off. Everybody's voting for him for awards at the end of the season. I still don't know that he'll be bringing home Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year or anything like that, but I think Tyler Lacey at defensive end could really make life miserable for opposing quarterbacks uh, and really get himself into a conversation as one of the better players on the defensive line in the conference. I like that pick. I mean, he's a guy that just we don't talk a lot about throughout his career, but he's been so solid and just you can't take him off the field. He's been that he's been that solid on the defensive line. I like that pick. I'm going with another true freshman, Colby. This is a guy that I cannot stop hearing good things about. It, it's it's obvious much in the way that Jaden Bray has made a huge impression early. It's Colin Oliver, linebacker at Edmond Santa Fe. And look, we know he was highly touted. He was a four-star prospect. I, I hear this kid is the real deal, Colby. And I, I know there's some some more senior-laden players ahead of him at linebacker. But I think midway through the year, maybe even early part of the year, this kid's going to be hard to take off the field because I hear he is just a flat-out baller and kind of the next the next great OSU linebacker. Look at you going true freshman on both sides of the ball. That's uh... – I don't know. I just feel like we've seen true freshmen be underutilized historically at Oklahoma State. So I just I never have the confidence that we're going to see those guys get a ton of time. I don't know. Did Trace Trace Ford play right away, didn't he? You're right. I mean, if you're good enough, you're right. If you're good enough, you can get out there. I just man, I look at an Oklahoma State defense that is good is going to be as good as we've had in a very long time. I just, I don't know if a true freshman can break through on that side. Now, if they can, like you said, I mean, we've all been hearing great things about Colin Oliver. I think he'll be a really good player at Oklahoma State. I just think because the the defensive side of the ball is so talented right now at OSU, it makes it harder than ever for a true freshman to break through. Well, Trace Ford played in all 13 games his true freshman year. He started six of them, the last six. So maybe yeah. that's kind of the path that Oliver would be on where the first six games he's He's playing, but not starting. But by the end of the year, you just you have to start the kid. And Ford had nine quarterback hurries, the second highest single season mark in school history, his true freshman year. So if Oliver's doing things like that, then I don't think there's any question he's going to be on the field. So that I did go off the board a little bit. I, I came to impress. I came to show people I've been <laughs> had my ear to the ground on, on camp and I've uh, that's who I'm going with. So I'm excited to see these young kids. But uh you had some categories as well. Who's your uh, offensive MVP for this year? My offensive MVP, Carson, this, uh, I think it would have been really easy to go LD Brown. And I really thought about going LD Brown cause I think he's going to have a good year, but I think that this team is going to come and go as Spencer Sanders comes and goes. Hopefully he's out there tomorrow. Hopefully there isn't any COVID protocol things that are keeping him off the field uh, because I think he is poised to make a step forward and to play better. He, he has so much talent that, you, you know, what he did last year, I mean, he was fine last year. He was good at times. He was bad at times, but he was just fine. But he's so talented that I feel like the only place to go is up. And with another year with Tim Rattay, another year with Casey Dunn at OC, a full offseason camp uh, to get himself comfortable with that offense, I really think we could see a big step forward from Spencer this season. And I think we could be sitting here first week of December saying the reason that Oklahoma State took the step forward they took is because Spencer took the step forward that he took. So I'm going to go with Spencer from offense of MVP uh, and hope that he takes the step forward that I think he can. I certainly think he can. And again, there have been reasons, you know, three quarterback coaches, three offensive coordinators. There's been reasons for his lack of development and, you know, through his career in big 12 games, he has uh, 19 touchdown passes to 18 interceptions. I think there, there's only one way to go from there and that's up. And hopefully he can cut down on those, but there's, he's out of excuses. It's, it's time. This is his team. This is his season. I, I like that pick. I, I'm going to go in a different direction because I, I do think even if Spencer struggles this year, I think Illingworth can come in, and I think Brennan Presley is going to be the offensive MVP this year. Uh, this kid, to me, just reminds me so much of Ryan Broyles, can return punts like Ryan Broyles did. They're similar size. You know, people 
myself included, we, we kind of looked to Tay Martin to be the guy just because of the size and the prototypical wide receiver position on the outside. But Ryan Broyles broke the NCAA season or the NCAA record for career receiving yards. He was just flat out baller from day one. And that's what I think Brennan Presley is. And I think he's going to be the man. I think he's going to have just an absolutely monster season. I think he's going to be first team all big 12. And I think he's going to be, you know, he's going to be up there for, you know, for one of the players of the year in the big 12, obviously Rattler will be the, the prohibitive favorite, but I am expecting just huge things from Brennan Presley. Man, I hope you're right. I really do because, uh, I mean, if either one of us is right, if Spencer has a big year or if Presley has a big year, means the other guy probably did pretty well too. So hopefully at the end of the season, we're looking at both of those guys uh, and talking about what a great symbiotic relationship that was that leads them both to success. Who you got for defensive MVP? Defensive MVP, I've got Trey Sterling not going uh, too far off the beaten path on this one. I mean, he's a great player. I think that he'll play on Sundays, and he's been good back there for a long time, and there were a bunch of guys I could have gone with here. I mean, Colby Harvell Peel definitely could get a look. Malcolm Rodriguez, Tyler Lacey, I think, could have a big year. Trace Ford, depending on how he comes back from the injury. Even Israel Antoine on the interior of the defensive line, I think, could have a big year. But, uh, I mean, Jarrett Bernard Converse is looking to feel Rodarius Williams' shoes. But I think when all said and done, uh, it's hard for me not to go Trey Sterling. Yeah, and I, I hope that's the case because, man, this, this what's this guy got to do to get some respect? Golly. I mean, why isn't he on any of the lists? Why, why isn't he being talked about as one of the best defensive players in the conference? Because it's pretty clear that that's what he is. I know. It's, it's bizarre. And maybe just people like to put the, the Texas safety up there and, put, and they, they kind of meet their quota with Colby Harvell Peel, so they just move on. And they're like, ah, we can't have two OSU safeties on, on their defense because they're still stuck in – 2008 thinking of OSU's defense they haven't paying attention so maybe that's it but he came back and I thought that was a huge huge coup for Oklahoma State and I I love Trey Sterling I think he's, he's one of the better safeties they've had and I'll, I'll go opposite him I'll go Colby Harvell Peel he's the more established guy I just think he'll get more kind of the, the pot plays the interceptions the sacks I, I just kind of think he'll have more of the the eye-popping plays and really the the, the difference making plays is just He's had a knack for that since he's been back there at safety. I, I think all the way back to that bowl game against Missouri, he had the huge tackle to, to end the game against Missouri. He just, he's always kind of had that knack. And so I'll, I'll go with Colby Harvell Peel, massive that he came back as well. And uh, I, I, lo I love everything about the defense. And Colby, what, what, would I, what would you have said if I had told you two, three years ago that we'd be talking so much about the OSU defense? Uh, I mean, I would have thought we were living in the, the upside down. We would have been in a bizarro <laughs> college football world. And, are, we kind of are, aren't we? I mean, last year we didn't have fans at the games. Now we've got the conference disintegrating and trying to piece itself back together. We've got Oklahoma State having one of the top 15 uh, defenses in the country, and we've got some questions as to how the offense is going to be. We kind of are living in a bizarro college football world. We are. How about OSU's record? Let's go game by game, shall we? Game by game. All right. Missouri State and Tulsa, I'm assuming we both have wins. Ws. Yep. Boise, I've got as a W. I've got that as a W, and I see it being a tough game. I really do. It's it's 8 o'clock kick in Boise. You know, Spencer Sanders' first real big test of the season. If he turns the ball over, Colby, they could absolutely lose that game. But I, I kind of see it going more the way of the Oregon State game that Spencer probably still one of his best games was that his first game against Oregon State on the road at night, Pac-12 after dark. I kind of see it going that way but I, I think it's going to be tough, but I got OSU winning. Yep, I do as well. I, I think that uh, Oklahoma State wins that game by probably double-digit points, two touchdowns, 17, maybe something like that. Now, the first conference game is Kansas State. Oklahoma State has been pretty average in conference openers, but I'm giving them the win against Kansas State, but for whatever reason, that game is always close, and I just feel like that's going to be a 28-27 or 31-30 type game. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think Mike Gundy has a losing record in Big 12 openers, which is astonishing considering his record in the Big 12 over his tenure. So I, I'm worried about that game. Kansas State has shown a knack. They've upset Oklahoma two years in a row. That game worries me more than it should, but I'll, I'll go W as well. All right, so we both got W there. Baylor, I'm assuming you have a win, as do I. Yep, that gets them to Austin, Texas, undefeated. All right, you hit me with Texas first. I've got a win, and – for me, 
it's going to be, it's always tough going to Austin. Even when they're not good, it's hard to win down there. I mean, they weren't good a few years ago when, when Chuba Hubbard's running off tackle in the, in the, in the red zone. I just, I don't see it with Texas. I mean, they're, they're going with Hudson card over Casey Thompson. I think that could be a revolving door at quarterback this season for them. And I just think OSU's defense can kind of control that game. And as long as OSU doesn't bog down the red zone, like they did last time they went to Austin, I, I think they, they win this game by, by double digits, by 10 points. I really do. And OSU should have done that last year. If they just, if they just get out of their own way, Colby, I, I think OSU wins this game. Now we'll have to wait and see, but I just, I don't see the, the avenue for Texas if, unless you just say, oh, well, OSU turned it over a bunch. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. We've both got them 6-0, and and I actually didn't hesitate nearly as long on Texas as I did on Kansas State. I, I think Oklahoma State's going to beat Texas. I think they're a better team than Texas. I've got Texas finishing fifth in the conference this year, so we're both lockstep there. Now, you go to Ames, 6-0 and going to Ames, a 6-0 Oklahoma State team. Let's assume Iowa State's gotten off to a good start. That's probably a really big-time college football matchup, and I've got Oklahoma State taking the L in that one. What do you have? I've got them losing that game too, and it would be different for me if Iowa State had some attrition, if if you know Charlie Kolar left or you know one of their defensive linemen that was going to go to the NFL would have left. But they they literally got everyone back, and their season to me sets up so much like OSU's did in 2011, where all those guys returned. They had a great season. Uh, I just winning there is going to be tough and I, I can't I can't give them the win there just because I think Iowa State's really really good now my gunny does have Matt Campbell's number I think he's four and one against him OSU as my colleague Brian Keating points out a lot you know the reason they're four and one against Matt Campbell is they kind of they have more dudes top to bottom like uh, Iowa State does have a lot of big 12 first teamers on their team but OSU kind of out athletes them a little bit especially when they get into some shootouts I mean you th- think back to Marcel Aitman just mossing dudes in the end zone I mean, they don't have Aitman anymore, but man, they've, they just seem to have more playmaking than Iowa State does when it gets down to the nitty gritty. And look, Brees Hall is going to be a handful for that OSU defense. I'd make no mistake about it, but um, that, that would be the reason to pick OSU, but I, I, I can't pick them to win that game. Yeah, I can't really either. It's just Iowa State's really good. It's in Ames. I, I think it'll be a good game. I don't think Oklahoma State's going to get their doors blown off by any means, uh, but I do think Iowa State will win it. Kansas, we've both got to win. What about West Virginia and Morgantown? I've got to win, but West Virginia to me is the surprise team in the league this year. I think they're going to finish close to fifth or sixth in the league. I think they could challenge for the top half. I really do. I like Neil Brown. I, lo- I think he's doing a good job as head coach at West Virginia. That's always a tricky game, but I, I again, I think OSU's the, the superior team, so I'm going with a win. Yeah, I'm taking Oklahoma State over West Virginia. I'm I'm kind of an I'll believe it when I see it guy with West Virginia. I hear the Daggy talk. I I hear the the talk about West Virginia and how they could threaten. I I'm gonna have to see it to believe it with West Virginia. We hear it a long time, uh, or we hear it all the time, and we hear about you know how how difficult it is to travel to Morgantown and all this stuff. And I just don't think that that really holds water. I mean, a lot of teams have success in Morgantown. OU beats them like a drum in Morgantown. Oklahoma State has, you know, played some close games in Morgantown, but they always come away with the win. I'm just not really a, a big, huge West Virginia guy. This next team, though, Carson, I think TCU could be the surprise team in the conference this year and finish top half. I've got Oklahoma State losing to TCU. Patterson Gundy has been a good matchup, and TCU's kind of been a problem for Oklahoma State, and I think it could be again this year. Did you skip Kansas? I did. That's probably the right call. <laughs> Definitely a W. Not, not much. Discussing Kansas is kind of like discussing Missouri State, honestly. So, yeah, I'm with you I, there. I mean, you can't spell Jayhawks without W. It's right there in the name. Yeah, you're right. Uh, let's see. TCU, I, I'm totally with you. Uh, Patterson really has kind of had Mike Gundy's number. We talked about – Gundy having Campbell's, but that game always worries me. Gary Patterson just tends to ugly games up to where it looks like OSU's never going to get a first down. They're just punting on, on, on fourth and two all, all game. I'm going with a win, though. I, I'm not a – I've been high on Max Duggan more than most. I just – the only way they beat OSU last year was they had, like, their worst offensive day in eons, and it was still a game. I just have more confidence like in the OSU offense. It feels like they do that against TCU, though, for whatever reason. It feels like TCU makes them have their worst offensive day of the year. 
Well, that's a credit to Gary Patterson. I mean, he's been doing this for a long time. Yeah. And he's there's a reason he's a defensive mastermind, and maybe he'll do that again. I just, I just think Casey Dunn will have his his ducks in a row better this year. I think he's gonna, I think he's going to lean way more on the offense we saw at the end of the year rather than bunching it up. He's been talking a lot about that in the offseason, about spreading things out, kind of getting back to their identity. And I, I just think if if OSU again just doesn't get out, just gets out of their own way, I think they beat TCU. So I got that as a win. Yeah, I uh, I hope you're right. I really hope you're right because I'm assuming you've got Oklahoma State beating Texas Tech the following week. They better. I mean, that's a team they used to own that for some reason they just struggle against lately. But I I, I definitely go with a win there. I think Tech's got an interesting quarterback. They got that transfer from Oregon who was a really highly touted quarterback. But I, I got to see it to believe it. And I I just think Tech's what they are, and OSU should win that game. Uh, yeah, Oklahoma State should win that game. I've got them beating Texas Tech, and then I'm assuming I'm not doing anything crazy with my Bedlam prediction. I'm assuming you're not either. Nope, absolutely not. Uh, I'm not picking Oklahoma State to win that game. Absolutely not. Now, I think it'll be a good game. And again, uh, as much hype as, as Spencer Rattler gets, and rightfully so, I do think it's gone a little overboard that he's just the prohibitive Heisman pick and that he's, you know, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. That that's not the case. He hasn't shown that yet. Now he has the potential. He looks like Patrick Mahomes throwing the football with his arm strength and mobility and things of that nature. But their offense was not humming at times last year. I mean, we all remember them jumping on OSU early, but OSU's defense really found their footing in that game and it became a game in the second half until Ramondre Stevenson broke one off when OSU couldn't get a first down. And their, their offense scored three points in the Big 12 title game second half. I mean, they, they have not been the flat-out juggernaut on offense with Spencer, Sand, or Spencer Rattler at quarterback. So that, that's one reason for optimism for me. But, again, I, I, I have to pick Oklahoma. They're the prohibitive favorite, and they're, they're, they're a better team than OSU. But, hey, upsets happen, but I'm going with a loss. Yeah, I think that if you look hard enough, you can find a reason here or there to be optimistic about this game. But I think you don't have to look very hard at all to find a lot of reasons to be pessimistic about this game. Uh, I mean, I, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. College football is not designed for parity. And uh, OU's in the club. They've, they've been in the club forever. And if you're in, great. You get all the best players. You get all the best coaches. You uh, have all the built-in advantages. OU has them, and they take full advantage of all of them. So uh, I think that I've got Oklahoma State at 9-3, and three, and you've got them at 10-2, and two, Carson? I do. I, you are I've bullish, been... man. I like it. I've been telling you all off season that I'm, I'm way more bullish on OSU than, than most people. And, you know, people can call me a pistols firing Homer if they want, but I mean, just look at what OSU has coming back on defense. Look at what happened last year. The games they lost were on the offense. And I just, I trust Mike Gundy and Casey Dunn and the talent they've recruited to be a lot better on offense this year. I, I really do. The, the, the four running backs they have are all really good. I think they're all going to play. The offensive line looks light years better so far, provided they don't have the massive injuries they've had. I just, I think people just overlook Mike Gundy's track record. And look, he has had some down years the last couple of years. But I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trusting Mike Gundy and his track record over a lot of these teams in the Big 12 because what his history tells us? History tells us, OSU has been the second best program in this league for a decade. And I don't see that changing a whole lot. Now, the question is, do they get to Jerry World? I think Iowa State, I'm still picking Iowa State to get there because they'll have the head-to-head on OSU. That's, that's my prediction. Uh, but again, I, I am way more bullish on OSU. I think a lot of people are going to feel really dumb for picking them to win seven, eight games. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm at nine, which I feel like is is pretty bullish. I just couldn't, I couldn't get there with them getting to ten. I couldn't get there with them uh, making their way to the Big Twelve championship game. I think that that will be Iowa State, the top half of the conference. I've got OU, Iowa State, OSU, uh, TCU, and Texas, fourth and fifth. I've got them both going eight and four, five and four in conference. But I've got TCU winning head to head, and then behind that, I've got Kansas State, West Virginia, Tech, Baylor, and. Kansas. So uh, I think the, the big biggest difference between me and some of the preseason predictions that have come out, a lot of the polls have Texas at three in the Big 12. I've got them at five. Uh, and I think that they'll be, I think they're more likely to be five, six, seven than they are to be two, three, four. Absolutely. I'm lockstep with you there. The only thing I would flip on yours is I, I would probably put West Virginia ahead of Kansas State. I just, I, 
I'm a little higher on on the Mountaineers than than K State, but no real no real arguments for me. So, uh, who you got in the uh, college football playoff? College football playoff, Carson. I'm going to go really off the beaten path, and I'm going to pick some dark horses here. I'm going to go with Alabama. <laughs> I'm going to go with Oklahoma. I'm going to go with Clemson, and I'm going to go with Ohio State because the reality is. This is the same movie that we keep watching year after year. We go to the theater and we watch the same movie and it always has the same ending. So I'm going Bama, OU, Clemson, and Ohio State. I'm going to go similar. I mean, I, the, you're probably like, we should probably just pencil those four in every year until, you know, they, they prove us wrong. I just, I watched Ohio State last night and I was already leaning this way. I'm not picking them to go to the playoff. I think the, the turnover they've had. Just so many dudes to the NFL. I don't really trust that quarterback to get them there. I think they're going to lose a couple times this year. So I'm going to go Bama, of course, Oklahoma, of course, Clemson, of course, and I'll go Georgia, second SEC team. You know, Georgia can – if Georgia beats Clemson this weekend, tomorrow, they might already like – look, I don't want to say they're already in, but they can – they win that game. They can lose what? once twice in the sec and they'll have that win over clemson where the playoff committee will probably put them in over a a one loss you know a team from another conference so i'll go with georgia as my fourth team yeah i just uh i i put a lot of thought into who i think is going to win that game tomorrow and i do think that clemson is going to win that game tomorrow and then georgia will lose another one somewhere along the way but if georgia does win that game tomorrow then i could definitely see them making their way into the college football playoff. Uh, that get, That's a night game, isn't it, Georgia and Clemson? Uh, it's got to be the primetime game, I would think. It's got to be. I'm, it's kind of a, uh, a bummer because Oklahoma State, Missouri State's 6 o'clock, and I'm going to Stillwater, going to the game. Didn't go to any games last year. I'll be there tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, I'm a little bummed about not getting to watch Georgia-Clemson. I might cut out – how about this? If Oklahoma State's up by at least 40 at halftime, I'll cut out and go watch Georgia Clemson. I think that's a fair a fair deal to make with myself. I think there'll be a lot of people heading your way with the tailgate scene doing the same things. I'm trying to find that kickoff time. It's got to be 7 o'clock ABC. Got to. Well, I, of course, went to, like, the ESPN page. Uh, let's see here. There's so many games. Uh, 6 o'clock, 6.30 on ABC. You're all right. So, my, my channel. So, stay tuned after – OU Tulane and, and watch uh, George Clemson on ABC and we'll have the the newscast right after that game. That's a that's a heck of a opener for the college football season. Yeah, it is. It's a great opening game. It's you know the the biggest problem that I always have uh, with college football and the reason I prefer the NFL is because in the NFL any team can win on any given Sunday. It's a, a lot more evenly matched and in college football. The reality is going into each week, we know the outcome of 95% of the games. We know who's going to win the vast majority of games. Um, But Georgia Clemson isn't one of those. It's a great game. Uh, Penn State, Wisconsin, 11 o'clock game. I'll probably flip over there and watch some of that. Uh, Fresno State, Oregon, I think could be a sneaky, decent game. Does Alabama-Miami do anything for you, or you think Alabama wins by 30? I think they're going to club them over the head. I can't believe Miami's ranked where they are to start the year. How much yeah. that's due to Derek King, but he's coming off an injury. They lost a lot of talent on the defense. I think I think that's going to be a drubbing. Yeah, I kind of am inclined to agree. I, I do think, you know. It might be only, my lock of the week, actually. Really? Okay. The, uh, the, only, the only hesitation I have is that teams who have had success against Saban have had mobile quarterbacks, and Derek King is that. But he is coming off an injury, and they just the talent surrounding him is not anywhere close uh, to what Alabama has. So I think Bryce Young will get off to a good start. What about Indiana, Iowa? Does that do anything for you? Now you're trying to take a nap on Saturday with Penn State, Wisconsin, and Indiana, I mean, Iowa. That's going to be about a three to six game going into the fourth quarter. But uh, I'd like to see Iowa beat Indiana, get Indiana out of the rankings, uh, and then I want to see Iowa State finally, for once in their lives, beat Iowa. Just do it one uh, time, Cyclones. Iowa State beating Iowa would, would be great. Iowa State not losing the opener would also be great. They play Northern Iowa in the opener, so they shouldn't do that again. Last year, uh, they got beat, I think, 17-7 to at home by Louisiana. It's a good Louisiana team, but still pretty embarrassing. And Texas opens against Louisiana tomorrow. Texas is a nine-point favorite. Uh, I've, got, I've got Texas winning that game, and I probably have them covering. Oh, really? I think a lot of people have Texas on upset alert. You think they're going to handle business, huh? Yeah, I think so. I think the fact that Louisiana beat Iowa State last year, that helps keep you from overlooking somebody. Uh, and just 
I mean, I know Louisiana's good, uh, and Texas has had their struggles in the Big 12, and I think might still have their struggles this year. But I do think the talent gap will be large enough that Texas will win that game by double digits. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people, it looks easy with the points. And you're right, they do look to the win that Louisiana had over Iowa State. I will say, though, you know, Louisiana was up 31 to nothing in the fourth quarter on Iowa State. But they did have, I think, two or maybe even three special teams touchdowns. And that's how that's how scores get drastically overstated or it looks like they just got, you know, run out of their stadium when, you know, look, special teams is part of the game. But that's a little fluky than just going up and down the field on offense and defense. So I, I would probably pick Texas to cover just because I think so many people are on, on Louisiana. Yeah, anytime there's like the big uh, kind of trendy upset in week one, I'll probably take the favorite to cover because whenever everybody likes the underdog, that's when they don't show up. It's whenever everybody's like, ah, oh, no, they're going to get blown out. That's whenever they come to play. It would be hilarious, though, if Texas loses that game. Oh, man. It would be, especially now that I don't really care about what image it would cast on the conference. Not like I really did anyway. I mean, I'm usually happy to see Texas or OU lose anyway. You're used to it. You're used to Texas losing. That's, no, that's, that's nothing new. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, but they play the, like the Mighty lost to Maryland season opener. Lost to Maryland back-to-back years and yeah. pretty much drubbed by Maryland, which I took uh, great, great joy in watching. Shout out to, uh, was it DJ Moore that ran all up and down the field on them? Probably. I think it was DJ Moore from Maryland before he uh, went to the NFL with the Panthers. It would be hilarious if Texas lost. I'm in. I'd, I'd be happy to be wrong if it meant that we could see Louisiana celebrate on Texas field. Because isn't that game in Austin? It is. The Raging Cajuns are invading Austin. That would be so much Let's fun. Let's do it. I would love to watch them celebrate right on the Hook'em Horn logo at midfield. I almost forgot, before we get out of here, the Chris's University Spirit uniform prediction for Oklahoma State. I'll go first to give you time to come up with yours. I'm surprising you with this. I just feel like in season openers, they, they play it pretty close to the vest. They, they go traditional. I'm going to go white helmet, orange jersey, white pants, and I'll just go with the uh, – the chrome brand like the with the black stripe on the helmet with the kind of the orange chrome brand as the as the get up kind of a conservative traditional look in week one i think that we could maybe see black tomorrow it's not going to be real hot i looked at the weather uh by the way if you're going to the game, i was going to say if you're going to the game i would highly recommend an umbrella maybe even a poncho if you're just going to be sitting in the stadium and you're you're prepared to sit through the rain because uh, I'm looking at it right now. Wind's going to flip and come out of the north. It's going to cool off. It's going to be low to mid-80s at kickoff. And then by the time that we get out of that stadium, there's about a 60% chance of some thunderstorms. It's going to be sub-80 degrees. So I would take an umbrella uh, and a poncho. I'm going to go with black helmets, black shirts, orange pants. And, and for, the, for the helmet, I'm just going to go with, like, the matte black with the traditional uh, OSU logo on the side. That's one of my favorite looks. They can't waste that against Missouri State. I don't know, because then you run it out and you know you're going to win in it. I, I like winning in my favorite jerseys. Yeah, I do too. So I, I like that pick. I love that look. I, I just think they'll go. They're yeah, going to save that it. one for a bigger bigger home game, I feel like. You might but, be right. You might be we'll, right. we'll have to wait and see, Colby. Six o'clock Saturday in Stillwater. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Let's do it. Football season. Go Pokes.